tell you, after a song like that, it's hard not to start preaching. Amen? However, since I haven't been asked to do that, I will leave you in a word of prayer. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here, for supporting your association. Please keep your association in prayer and pray specifically to Father God and light a fire in us to reach the lost with you. Amen? With that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to now in Jesus' holy and righteous name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to gather together as sister churches, Lord, to worship you. And I pray, Lord, your spirit would be here. I pray, Lord, you would lead us and guide us and direct us our path towards the righteousness of your name's sake. I pray, Lord, your wisdom would be in our hearts, Lord, as we conduct the business of your association. May your name be glorified, for we give you the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Thank you all very much. There we go. Let's all stand up again. We're going to do some Baptist aerobics. Up and down, up and down. Okay. We're going to sing Power in the Blood. business and thank you for being here and for uh, Robinson Avenue hosting this. Andrew Sabatis, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church House. Good afternoon, everyone. I've been the uh, moderator this past year, and I must say 2020 with all of its headaches. 
This has been the easiest moderating job I think anybody has had. We've had like two meetings, and I missed one of them. So, you know, I'm glad that we got to meet uh, today. We're calling to order our annual meeting, the Southern Baptist Central Texas Association. Uh, we have some reports that uh, we're going to have different members uh, from the executive board bring to you so you can know what the Lord is doing with our association with the monies given to it. Uh, entrusted to us. First report, I'm going to ask Brother Brent Boatwright to come up and give our financial report. All right, just uh, share a couple quick things with you. Brother Ken Woolley has been serving as our treasurer for a number of years, and back in November, um, I volunteered, I guess is how we call that, uh, in the midst of being nominated and volunteered and that type of thing. And so, um, Brother Ken Woolley uh, has done a faithful job uh, keeping the records very accurate, um, uh, all on uh, notebooks and pen and paper, and, uh, and I've kind of uh, put that into spreadsheets, and uh, he has done a wonderful job. He was very concerned that he was not keeping the numbers right. He was dealing with a lot of confusion, um, but we met as a finance team and, and looked at things, and he he did an excellent job of, of keeping uh, good records, and so um, I have uh, presented to Steve Cannon, who's also on the finance uh, team, um, a copy of last year's uh, record of our spending and our deposits, and uh, we met uh, back in December in order to establish a budget for 2021. Uh, the basic thing that I'll share with you is that um, at the close of uh, December 31st, um, we as an association uh, with a $78,750 budget, we had spent $58,387. Uh, however, giving uh, was less than what was Expected giving was actually forty-seven thousand five hundred sixty dollars, uh, meaning that uh, we had spent about ten thousand uh, dollars more than what we had actually uh, received in. Uh, we have made some adjustments, and the Lord has been very uh, gracious in uh, providing uh, for us. Uh, one of the things that we did do was to adjust our uh, proposed budget for 2021. We reduced it by about $10,000, and so uh, the budget for 2021 is projected at being $68,824, and so we made some adjustments based upon uh, what we saw in giving, and Lord willing, uh, we will get back to uh, serving in a little bit of a different capacity uh, than we have been in this past year, and we'll see giving increase we will be able to fulfill the things that we believe that God has for us as an association. So thank you for allowing me to serve as your treasurer. If you have uh, any questions, uh, I have an email, treasurer.sbcpa, treasurer.sbcpa at gmail.com. Glad to answer any questions you may have, uh, any questions that arise. So thank you.
Andrew said, uh, we have nomination, nominating committee two. Uh, those on the nominating committee are Steve Cannon, James Stephen, and me, Wayne Blackshear. Those nominations are James Morrison, scholarship committee. Brent Boatwright, who you just heard from, as the treasurer. Now, I don't think we need a nomination for Steve Cannon. Uh, he's a spokesman. He's an Aaron. I guess can't speak. I'm not real sure. So Steve does that for us at our executive board. And Mr. Moderator, we present these two, James Morrison, Scholarship Committee, Brent Boatwright, Treasurer. Joshua Morrison. You read it right. I put James. I think it's better. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. You can call me Otis. Uh, Steve Cannon's got up here to talk about Otis, but I think it's Otis. Did you put some Otis in there? Yeah. She told me to say it first. Thank you, Wayne. Okay, so we have uh, two nominations set for us that come in the form of a motion from our nominating committee that's not needing a second. Uh, if there's any discussion, now would be the time for it. Not. Uh, all those in favor of accepting these two nominations, please say aye. Any opposed? Very good. Nominating, thank you very much for keeping all of that straight. Uh, now, Brother Steve Cannon will come and give us a report on jail ministry.
want to thank the Southern Baptist Central Texas for supporting JL Ministries. Uh, we are we're entering a new phase of how we minister. I, I'm not certain that we're going to ever need to go back into the JL Ministries based on where we are today. Uh, I, I hope that we are because contact is the best. But uh, we have uh, begun to record uh, MP4 that's video Bible studies in the JL Ministry offices. Uh, the staff and volunteers. Uh, there is a, a group, SecureNet, uh, excuse me, that's my radio provider, Securus Technologies. Always get those two crossed for some reason. You can probably see why with their names. But um, they provide the telephone system, and, and for now, the inmates inside Bell County have a tablet. And, and they also provide what's on the tablet. The, the tablets are, they are restricted to certain uses, but. Uh, the Bell County uh, Bible studies are, are about to be uploaded uh, to SecureNet and then to those tablets so the inmates will have those available. And uh, I ask for your prayers because we're looking at trying to get a way to do that in the juvenile services center also. Uh, there's not a way. They don't have tablets for juveniles yet. But uh, we're working on trying to get either something called Life Size, which is what they're using in the Bell County court system right now. When a judge... Uh, when an inmate goes before a judge, they do it before a television screen. There's no contact. And so uh, we're hoping that uh, jail ministry is going to be able to do that. And I, I think the sheriff's administration is, is going to bat for us on that because there is a cost involved uh, in being able to do that. But thank you for your financial support. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, in the past, we would pass out inmate decision cards. We're not doing that right now. And we would know how many inmates made a profession of faith. Uh, in Jesus Christ, and uh, we just don't have that available. So, but we know that God's word does not return void, and, and we are certainly praying that uh, those uh, people who are coming to Christ continue. Uh, and uh, all the inmates that are that are incarcerated, they probably have about six family members outside who are doing time outside where their loved ones are in time appreciate your prayers. I uh, appreciate being a part of uh, the Southern Baptist and Central Texas Association and the Southern Baptist of Texas because I believe that we take God at His Word and we believe the Bible. And uh, that's why I'm here and because you're my brothers and sisters. God bless you. Thank you. Association Life is reached by Sister Manny Ketherins. Uh, like I said, I didn't, I didn't butcher that one. Good evening. Glad you are here today. Thank you for having me. Um, on behalf of Life is Reach, I want to just extend our thankfulness and gratefulness for your support and your prayers. Um, we're doing a lot of good stuff. If you don't know what Life is Roots is, we are a nonprofit crisis center located in Gatesville. Uh, we offer free classes that promote healing and restoration of individuals and families who are or have dealt with abuse of any type. Uh, that, that may be abuse that happened in their very early childhood, but we will help them deal with it. We also go on to extend whatever help is within our means 
to individuals who find themselves in immediate crisis due to abuse, whether that is moving or finding them a safe place to go um, or helping provide the necessary supplies and do whatever they can. Um, so many exciting things happened here in 2020 despite COVID, and God continued to affirm and approve what we're doing. He has his hand all over us. Um, at the first of the year, we began our first round of nurturing parenting classes that are CPS approved. Um, most CPS clients are mandated to take this class whenever their children are removed from them. And you may wonder why that is a big deal. Why is that pertinent to us? Um, Gatesville, in particular, has a high number of active cases where children have been removed from their families. And as a city, we have not provided any resources to those families in order for them to learn the skills that they need to get their, their children back. Um, so Righteous Roots is, is bringing resources to Gatesville that there has not been before. Um, we, in addition to the class, it's beyond, you know, it is a curriculum that, that we have to go by, but because our classes are small, um, the great thing is that we are able to go beyond the curriculum. And so not only are people that take our class learning the skills, just natural skills, what you need to be a parent and how to take care of your children, they are also learning the importance of a foundation in Christ. And so we are able to plant seeds in everybody that comes through our door. I'm really excited about that. We continue to offer our weekly men's substance abuse class, and we continue to meet clients by appointment for our emotional healing and our domestic violence class. Myself and one of my advocates became licensed as anger management specialist this year, and so we just kicked off our first round of anger management a couple of weeks ago, and that will become a regular class that we offer as well. Um, that class will not only, it's open to anybody, but specifically it, it will also serve the CPS client. It will also serve our um, people that are involved in the court system, whether it's part of their probation requirement or whatever, they will be able to, to take our class. We were blessed in July with a new larger office space. It tripled um, the area that we had for the same cost. So that was a huge blessing. We were excited about that. We got all moved in and, and settled. And just a couple of months ago, learned that um, we have been blessed again with an additional 1,800 square feet in the building where we're at. So again, we have tripled our office space and it's not costing us a penny more. Uh, what a blessing. <laughs> um, we, we are really excited. It, it provided us tons of room for expansion to continue to offer more services and to become more regular with them. And right now, our, that is our main project, is, is getting that area ready. We have to do some maintenance and renovating on it to meet our needs, but um, we're taking it one step at a time and looking forward to putting it to use. One of the biggest blessings that we received uh, came from our local church in Gatesville that granted us funds to hire a part-time office manager. Um, that may not be a big deal to you all, but it was to me because I am a single mom to six kids and working three jobs. 
and then I just grew to just a ministry on the side that that I try to pretend like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so this office manager has just been heaven sent to us. She she has a passion for the broken. She is spiritually grounded, and she has connections that that I've been trying for two years to make. So she has accomplished a ton just in a few weeks, and, and I am so excited and thankful for her. Um, that's pretty much the highlights of what has gone on in, in Life of Grace. It's been a wonderful year, despite setbacks. Um, we still are doing what we can, and we appreciate your support. We always have needs for financial sponsors, whether they are individual or from churches. We also always have needs for tangible items and for volunteer time, just if you have skills that, that we might could use. So um, if, if you know of any local groups or anything that would benefit from knowing about us and what we do, feel free to uh, put my name out there and give them to me and have them get in contact with me. And the last announcement that I will make is for the ladies to mark their calendars and, and you uh, pastors take it back to your churches. Rise of Truth has partnered up with Deep Wells, which is a local group that I'm a part of, of, of very strong Christian women leaders in town. And, and we have teamed up with them to pre- present our first women's conference. That is going to happen at the Gatesville Civic Center on March the 20th. It's a Saturday from 9 to 3. It is completely free, and it is for women and teenagers ages 13 and up. We are not able to provide child care this year, so we do ask that that children do not come. Um, but it, we're really excited about it. it. We are, as a group, we have been burdened to just get real with our people and to meet them where they're at and talk about life stuff and how the Lord can sustain us through that and, and how he can restore us from things that have happened. And so we're, we're really excited and looking forward to that conference. And um, there will be, you can follow the Righteous Roots Facebook page for more information on it. There will be registration information going out very soon. Um, but other than that, um, I will hang out after the service if anybody has any questions or anything about Life of Truth, or if you know somebody in need, I'll, I'll be here and can give them my card. Um, and I just, again, like to thank you for, for all of your support, your prayers, and, and everything. the report for the scholarship committee. Uh, Brother Ken Woolen has been chairing that since we started that committee. Uh, we uh, have been able to fund education for pastors and church members within our association of the past several years. Uh, this is really an awesome extension of our association, the ministry of our association uh, for our pastors, for our church members, anybody within the association who is pursuing education 
core ministry. So it's not just visitation in general, but if your heart's desire, you know somebody in your church whose heart's desire is to serve the Lord and they're pursuing education towards that goal, the association wants to help with that uh, cost for going back to school. Uh, it really is a, a wonderful uh, ministry that uh, when we started, I had no idea I was going to be going back to school. And uh, when the Lord laid on my heart that I needed to get some more education, because my church honestly just needs somebody who knew a little bit more than this guy did, I said, okay, Lord, how on earth am I going to pay for it? My wife and I talked about it. We prayed about it. Uh, and then the association put this all together and has graciously allowed me uh, to partake of this uh, blessing. Uh, I finished my Master of Divinity last May. Uh, and from the very beginning of going back, this association has been allowing me to do that. I can honestly say we would not have been able to do this if it weren't for you. And so thank you very much for that as I continue my education and Ph.D. studies. We have three other uh, people who are participating in the, the scholarship uh, ministry for our association currently. Uh, and while uh, I don't have the exact figures, uh, I know in 2020 we had four students at four different schools um, taking advantage of this. So I want to encourage you, whether you as a pastor are thinking, you know, I need some more education to, to be better equipped to equip my people uh, to, to reach out and to uh, see if that uh, scholarship is available for you or if you have people in your church who are actively pursuing that, we want to come alongside them and help them uh, with the financial burden that's involved in going back to school that you might be able to be better equipped to minister uh, to those around us. Uh, so that's the report from the scholarship committee. I just want to thank you very much as an association personally and for those uh, who are also taking advantage of this. Uh, it is a tremendous, tremendous blessing uh, that you afford us. Our next and uh, final report will be from our state convention, uh, Brother Gilbert Chavez. You'll come up, brother. Pastor Joshua, thank you very much for having this associational meeting in your church. And Brother Carol Hambrick, thank you very much for you and for your association. As you know, or as you may know, my name is Gilbert Chavez, and I serve uh, your churches, and I serve at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention uh, as the, the field uh, representative for Section S2 Zone. And I am so glad to be able to be a part of your association. You guys are always a tremendous blessing to me and to, uh, to our convention for the work that you are doing. Let me bring you greetings from our executive director, Dr. Jim Richards, and the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. What a joy and a blessing it is to be able to come and to provide for you just a word of encouragement and, and a couple of things that are on the calendar that are coming up. As you know, this past year has been a year that many uh, churches and many people have felt like, man, when can we get 2020 behind us? And the reality is, is that it is behind us. And uh, we have learned and we have seen and we have uh, done things that we hadn't done in the past. But now we are being adjusted too. So I want you to know that 
from Dr. Jim Richards all the way through every single staff member of our convention, whether they are full-time, part-time, uh, whether they are individuals that are, are consultants. We are all praying for you and for your churches and for your association that God will continue to do a wonderful work in you. Uh, it has been a time in our life when people are in need of Jesus. Amen? There was ever a time when the uh, people of God, when the church of Jesus Christ uh, needs to rise up and share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is in days like today. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the power of the gospel, excuse me, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We live in a time and a day where people are lost, where people are in need of hope, where they're in need of salvation. And we, as the people of God, with the gospel message, are the ones that are to go out and to present this good news to each and to every one of them. Our convention uh, has been affected just like your church has been affected with this uh, coronavirus. Uh, because you as a church are, are the reason why we exist and through your cooperative program offerings, uh, since, uh, since many of the churches and their tithes and offerings have been lessened or have gone down, so has the cooperative program giving in our convention. So a couple of adjustments have been made. Some of you are already aware of this and uh, uh, when you came to our annual meeting in Austin. One of the main announcements that was made this past year was that Dr. Jim Richards, the executive director of our convention, uh, will be retiring at the end of this year. And so we have been receiving uh, resumes and applicants for that particular position. The hope is that someone will be hired before the end of the year so that Dr. Richards will be able to work alongside of them and show them and so that they might be able to see uh, what the convention does and how it moves forward uh, in the work that God has called it to do. But I want to say thank you for your cooperative program offering and all that you give to us. Let me share with you just a couple of things that are coming up, and then I want to share with you a, a new member, a new staff member of our convention. Uh, Brother Paul, he'll come up here in just a second. He'll share a greetings to you, and then at the end we're going to show you a video about two minutes long. But on February the 1st, if you do not know, uh, our Austin Pastors uh, Conference will be held by video. And so you can take uh, advantage of, of going to that and watching that. It's on February the 1st from 1 to 2 p.m. Our preschool and children and family ministries will also have a video conference on February the 1st. So take advantage of that. Pastors, let your uh, children's directors and those people that are over your family ministries know about this. Our social needs ministry is also having a video conference. Uh, all these are video conferences, and so this is the, uh, the adjustment that all of us are making today. We do have a, a online video conference that uh, is done for church revitalization. If your church is going through a, a period of time where you believe that uh, you just need a, a, a another look at it, see what God would want for you to do, and maybe it needs to be revitalized, and that's not a, it's not about just smaller churches, all churches. Uh, can go through this time, uh, then that is also uh, made possible on February the 4th. Uh, February the 19th and 20th begins our Empower Conference for our Hispanic session. It's going to be a Friday and Saturday event. So if you have any churches around you uh, or any of the churches that are around you that are Spanish-speaking uh, uh, and would prefer to be a part of this, then do that. And then, of course, our Empower Conference will be in Irving Convention Center. It is open to in-person uh, attendance, and it will be uh, streamed online as well. 
February the 22nd and the 23rd to Monday and a Tuesday. You just have to stay for one evening. We encourage you to come and to participate with us. During the conference, you will be able to take part in the Southern Baptist of Texas Pastors Orientations for, that is for new pastors to our convention. That will be during our Empower Conference and likewise the Young Pastors Network. Uh, for those pastors that are 40 years and younger, uh, you get to participate in that. Uh, I don't know how many of those that we might that you might have in your association, Brother Carroll, but uh, it could be for uh, any of the pastors that are there that are uh, that are younger for that. And likewise, our disaster relief uh, phase one uh, orientation will take place in Pflugerville on February the 22nd. For the ladies, at the uh, at the end of uh, at the beginning of March on March the 6th. We have the She Stands Conference in Houston, Texas. So we encourage you to participate in this. And uh, if you are a bivocational pastor, we will have on March the 19th and 20th a bivocational pastor's retreat called Pause. And it's called Pause. And so if you want to take advantage of that, all this can, can be found on our convention website, sbtexas.com. Go to it, look up uh, these different things, or look for the calendar events, and you can see that as well. Let me introduce to you one of our new staff members that we have uh, on our team, uh, Brother Paul Stoller, I believe that's his name. He's going to come and introduce himself, and then after we do that, we'll see the video, and we'll be finished. All right? Thank you, Brother Gilbert. Uh, brothers and sisters, thank you for the invite to be here and be a part of this. Um, I'm excited. God is, uh, I did not seek this position. I just started uh, January 1. I came from... Um, uh, but I grew up, just hold on, I grew up in North Texas, I mean in uh, North Houston. My dad was on staff at Spring Baptist Church there for 36 years, so I grew up an honorary staff kid. Um, I went to Howard Payne University right around the corner. My sister went to Mary Harden Baylor uh, right down the road. Uh, so we went to the same Baylor. But, um, and so uh, we, we, have a, we went to Southwestern uh, Seminary. Twice, and uh, so I, I'm blessed. But the God who called us to preach in Oklahoma never thought that would happen, um, and uh, it was a wonderful blessing. Rural community, a town of 500. Um, leaving Houston, you know, is uh, is different. But we stayed there eight years. God plants us, and you stay until God calls you. And I didn't seek this position. God called, and uh, and Dr. Wolf said, "Hey, I want you to think about it." And I was like, "No, thank you, really." But then we prayed about it. And you have to do what God tells you to do. And we're blessed. I mean, uh, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention is part of my heart. I worked with uh, Bible Drill with my dad for many, many years. And so my zone that I work with is called the Regional Palace. Um, but I uh, work with the uh, F1 zone, which is um, almost the border, the southern border, uh, west of uh, 35 and then south of 20, almost all the way to Fort Stockton. Uh, so it's a huge zone with not as many churches um, as Brother Gilbert has in it. I, I have eight, about 85 churches in that huge area, Southern Baptist of Texas churches. And so I'm blessed. I've been meeting with pastors, and so um, I would love to meet with you if you if you need to or want to. And I uh, just want to encourage pastors. Um, I've only been on the job a few weeks, but um, in one week I met with a pastor. Uh, they were struggling financially. They cut his salary. Um, by a, a decent margin. Um, and, you know, you hear that story. But then the same week, I met with a pastor and said they had the best financial year ever. In just the same week. Um, and so different guys are doing different things. And, uh, and God's blessing doesn't mean there's unfaithfulness. It just means that's what's happening. 
And so uh, we want to encourage pastors. Our philosophy is healthy churches, or healthy pastors lead healthy churches. And so we just want to be a blessing to you as pastors. Take you to lunch, talk to you, encourage you, pray for you. I have a notebook of all my churches, and I just write down prayer requests as I meet with guys just to uh, understand where they are and how we can pray for you and help you. Uh, because we're here to support you. You pay our salary uh, through proper program gifts, and we're glad of you for that and uh, encourage you to do that. But uh, we love pastors, we love churches, and we want to be here for you. So if you need anything, anytime, you just contact us, and uh, we'll be glad to meet with you, support you, help you, uh, help people find uh, tax representatives, building architecture uh, just in these few weeks. Uh, so we're here to help with so much. Uh, the Southern Baptist of Texas does. It's an honor to be a part and to work alongside men of God, Brother Gilbert here and many, many others, Dr. Richards, Dr. Wood, um, and Dr. Lynn and Grizzly Stokes. And so we are grateful. So thank you for the opportunity. Look forward to getting to know you guys. some time, but uh, when I think about uh, Ken Woolley, uh, I think about uh, uh, faithful, faithful. He has been through this with this association, through all of it, thick and thin, whatever. He's been with us to support us, involved, supporting and all the way. And uh, I think about also uh, a friend. Uh, Ken has been a friend to all of us. And we really love and appreciate him and Sylvia both. Uh, Sylvia and Ken, Sandy and I have had lunch together a lot of times. And uh, we uh, just, he's just one of those guys you can't help but love. He's, uh, he's also a good preacher. Uh, I've been in his church whenever he was uh, preaching. And I thought, boy, oh, Ken, he may pastor a small country church out here in the middle of the field or whatever. But uh, he was a good, good preacher. And uh, so uh, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, I I know this is not a, a paid position. Uh, the treasure is not a paid position. Sorry, Brent. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, uh, we do appreciate uh, faithfulness. We appreciate the good job that Ken Woolley has done in uh, keeping our finances together, supporting us in every way. We really, really appreciate it so much. And I think that a good job deserves appreciation, and I think it deserves a, a gift. And so we've talked with some, and uh, we wanted to give him uh, a gift. He's not able to be here tonight. Like I said, he's in bad health, and uh, he has trouble even getting up out of the chair. And after he gets out of the chair, then, of course, thank the Lord for Sylvia. She's able to drive him here and there. But uh, anyway, uh, we wanted to give him a, a, a gift, and so we mentioned it to others, and we wanted to give him a check for $300 just because we love him. Uh, we can afford it, and uh, I think he deserves it. Uh, uh, Brother Moderator, it might be a little bit surprising, but I'd like to put this in a order of a motion. I'd like for us to uh, take uh, legal action on this. For the main reason is because I want it to be the, uh, the gift from the whole association. Okay, we have a motion then on the floor to provide a $300 Gift to Ken Woolley. Is there a second? Lots of seconds. Very good. So, uh, any discussion about our motion? All those in favor, say amen. 
Any opposed? Four feel. Carried unanimously. Okay, so Madam Alderman Mann will close for our missions, and we'll go to Bonnie Black, who is here. taken here tonight will go towards mission and towards scholarships, correct? Scholarships and missions. Well, let's go to our Father. Lord, as we're preparing to give, we first want to thank you for being the giver of every perfect, every good gift that comes down to us, Lord. You're so gracious to us, Lord. Your mercy, loving kindness, everlasting, Lord, so many tangible ways that you bless us as individuals, as families, as church families, Lord, as an association, a state convention. And Father, amidst all the needs that are out there, Lord, the needs for scholarship, the need for mission support, Lord, we just pray that it'll come. And I pray, Lord, we'll do our part here this evening. Thank you, Father, for each one here. Just bless them, protect them, Lord, keep them safe, keep them well. In Jesus' name, amen. for the association, and uh, I would like to say at the beginning that uh, this association is on the move. COVID or not, this association, I was so impressed and so pleased uh, to get these reports uh, from uh, different ones that's uh, reported, and we really, uh, we're doing some good stuff. We're doing some really good ministries, and I appreciate it so very much, but uh, uh, 2020 has, has been uh, a real tough year. COVID-19 has done a number on us, but you know, uh, SVCTA uh, has had to deal with it, and probably in your family, but in my family and in a lot of the families in our association uh, has been affected by it. I had it in my own house. I've not even had any symptoms myself, but both my sons and both my daughter-in-law, they've had it, and they were uh, really very, very sick. There are some people have uh, light cases. Other people have severe cases. But uh, my uh, sisters and uh, uh, my in-laws and my son said, Dad, don't catch it. It's bad. It's bad. And, and I watched them because they were very, very sick. And so uh, I, I've uh, been very – my oldest son said, Well, Dad, I guess that just proves God loves you more than he does us. And I said, oh, I don't think we'll go there. We, we, we won't go there. But anyway, 
and uh, uh, she made me feel like neck bones and gravy. I'm telling you, uh, but uh, but she she loved this association. Now, during Sandy's time in the hospital, I so thank you for your prayers. You prayed for Sandy. You prayed for me, uh, and. Uh, you, you loved her, you loved me, you helped me get through this extremely difficult time, you know. Uh, and uh, But uh, uh, I just wanted to thank you because, you know, some of you prayed for me and with me over the telephone, and I appreciated that. Um, and for about two months, uh, COVID kept me from even seeing my wife. I went to the hospital with her when they, when they had to take her from Waco to uh, Fort Worth, but... Um, they said, you can go and stay, but you can't go and come and go and come because of COVID. So I took everything I needed to stay with her for the entire time up there. But then the very next morning, I stayed Friday night, and the next morning they came in apologetically and said, we're sorry, but the government and the hospital association know this is whatever. So, pardon me, I'll get through it. It's okay, it's good. But I left Sandy feeling bad and with a tear in my eye and a broken heart, I had to drive back to Waco. I made it back okay. I drove up on the driveway, called my son about an hour or a mile before I got home and told him I was going to be home. And uh, I drove up on the driveway, uh, opened the car door, got out, and that's the last thing I remembered until I woke up in the emergency room with oxygen myself. And long story short, because it's you know, thank God, I, that was a nightmare. I, that was a nightmare for hours, for hours. I thank God it wasn't days, but for hours. <clears throat> I know this <clears throat> doesn't have a whole lot to do with our report, but anyway, it does, you know, because of what this association and how this association took care of things, you know, and I really appreciate it. But anyway, after all the tests that they had run on me, uh, the doctor said the only thing we could find was they ran tests all night. They said it was excessive stress. Excessive stress. And so I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing good. My kids take good care of me, and I thank the Lord uh, for that. But uh, uh, I drove, uh, after they lifted the ban on visiting, they, uh, they said, well, yeah, you can come now. And so I drove. Sandy stayed in the hospital just a few days over five months. And uh, I drove every day to be with her. One night, pardon me, but you're okay with time. Uh, one night, uh, I told Jeff and Kathy, I said, well, now, uh, I'm probably not going to go see Sandy tomorrow. I've seen her every day, and, and I don't need this, that long trip up there again, you know. And So uh, I'll probably just uh, hang out here. The doctor and my family's got me living with my oldest, uh, youngest son and his wife. And um, so uh, they went in their bedroom, closed the door, looked at each other and said, he's going. <laughs> but <laughs> I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Next morning I woke up and every day I did not miss one day of driving to Fort Worth to be uh, with Sandy. Now, um, I want to tell you something about her that will tell you something about her. Now, you knew Sandy and you loved her. But Sandy would not allow a doctor or a nurse or a therapist, or the custodian that cleaned the room. She would not let them leave telling them thank you. She thanked them, 
even when they had unpleasant things they had to do to her, she thanked them for them. Uh, Sandy and I were so very close. How am I doing? I'm doing so well that for several weeks until God spoke to me, I felt guilty because I was not a basket case. Why not, Lord? In the middle aisle, Lake Whitney Baptist Church, after service on Sunday night, the Lord spoke to my heart and He said, Guy, listen, all I'm doing is what you asked me to do. <laughs> and listen, God has got His hand. He's got a hold of me right now. All day, 24-7, He refused. He is, God is stubborn. Do you know that? God is stubborn in His love. He's got His hand on me. He holds me. He fills me every day. And He won't turn me loose. And I want to thank y'all. Amen. I want to thank y'all for praying for Sandy, for loving her all those years, and praying for me. And so my prayer for this association for 2021 is that God would join us to join Him in bringing in His kingdom. Thank you. God bless you.
Thank you so much, Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Um, just a quick uh, report. You gave $360 just a moment ago. Uh, that will go to uh, help out churches in our association. Uh, that will apply for uh, that scholarship uh, for summer missions. And so if your church is planning summer missions, when we get a little bit closer to uh, May, we'll be sending that information to you on how you can apply for that. Uh, I was, uh, however, uh, told that another $200 uh, will be coming. So that's uh, $560. And just in case you don't know, our association matches what you have given. And so instead of $560, that's $1,120. And if we're able to have an evangelism rally, we'll take an offering again. We'll add that to it. We'll uh, add to it from the association. And so we have been blessed in the past to be able to give three, four, five, six thousand dollars out to churches doing some missions. And so uh, we pray that uh, we have that opportunity to our musicians. Thank you for uh, sharing with us. To our uh, technical man back there at the back. Thank you, sir. You, nobody recognizes you unless it goes wrong. You know that, right? All right. So God bless you. You're doing a great job. I haven't seen anything go wrong at this point. Association, we have church buildings filled with average Joes. But I say to you that we are in desperate need of having more than an average Joe in our churches. Let me give you something about Bell County for just a moment. Bell County alone, and I know we represent a number of counties, but I'm in Bell County, and so I'm acquainted with Bell County much more than our other counties represented by our association. But Bell County alone, our population is right at 360,000 people. The projection is that 2030, 10 years from now, we'll have a half a million people in Bell County, 500,000. Let me tell you, when the Yellow Pages describe the church, I'm not sure exactly what they're saying by a church, but the Yellow Pages says that in Bell County we have about 250 churches. Again, I don't know exactly how they're defining some of those churches, but the statistic tells us this, that right at 30,000 people in Bell County, on average, were attending a church pre-COVID. On any Sunday morning, 30,000 of the 360,000 people in Bell County. We are in desperate need of having more than an average Joe in our churches. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we need more than an average Joe from the perspective of money or power or education or fame. What we need is more than an average Joe, like Joseph. Joseph of Genesis 37 through 50, we see this man Joseph. And in association, I spent about 14 weeks in the months of July through November preaching on Joseph, a timely series of messages the life of Joseph to look at. And believe it or not, I will preach these four months' worth of sermons this evening in 30 minutes or less. Maybe I should say more or less. All right, more or less. Maybe 30 minutes more or less. But I'm going to take you to just one verse. Those who are from the church, you're expecting me to do Genesis 50-20, but I'm not. All right, so I'm, I'm not going to go there. But I want to give you one verse. In the life of Joseph. And before I give you that verse from Genesis 41, verse 38, 
I want to give you the immediate context of what was going on in Joseph's life. Joseph had been in jail, not necessarily of his own doing, but he was in jail. And the truth is, he was forgotten about for two years of that time. At the end of that two years of time of having been forgotten about, Pharaoh of Egypt has a dream. In fact, he has two dreams, and in those dreams he sees uh, plump cows, seven plump cows coming up out of the Nile and chewing on some reeds from the Nile River. And, and he sees seven skinny cows and calls them ugly cows. And, and those seven ugly cows come up, and, and those seven ugly cows gobble up the seven plump cows. And boy, he wakes up. Pharaoh is troubled by what he just saw, and, and so he... He goes back to sleep, and as he goes back to sleep, he has another dream. And in this dream, there's a, a stalk that has seven healthy heads of grain on it. And, and then he sees another stalk, and, and that other stalk had seven just white-ridden, malnourished, famine-looking type heads of grain. And, and those heads of grain just devour those plump heads of grain. And he wakes up again and he struggles to understand what this dream is all about. And he calls in all of the wise men and the magicians and all of those sorts and says, you know, tell me what this dream is all about. And no one could tell him what the dream was all about. At that point, one of the servants of Pharaoh's who just happened to have been thrown in jail about two years ago, he said, oh man, I hate to remind you of this, Pharaoh, but <clears throat> when you talk to me in jail a couple of years, don't think, don't send me back there again, please. There was a man there two years ago. And I had a dream. And, it, and, it, and he told me what the dream meant. And I entered back into his service. So Pharaoh called for that man Joseph to come, and they shaved him up and cleaned him up. I had him looking good before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I understand that you can interpret dreams, and Joseph says, God can. God can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh proceeds to tell him the dreams that he had had, and Joseph says, God will answer you favor. Joseph tells Pharaoh, God has given you two dreams and it's going to happen this year. There will be seven years of plenty. And there will be seven years of famine. And you need to appoint some wise and discerning men who will be able to do what is needed in order to supply what is needed. This is what Pharaoh says in Genesis 41, verse 38. 41, 38. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Would you pray with me? Father, we need men women, boys, and girls, to whom it is evident 
the Spirit of God dwells within you. So God, it is my prayer that in what might have been a year of facing some discouragement, that God, you would encourage our hearts this evening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're going to be more than an average Joe, then it begins with understanding your journey. Journey. You're on a journey for good. God has you on a journey for good, no matter what those circumstances may be. God has you on a journey for good. And when we look at Joseph's life, Joseph is one that really does reveal a life that understands and a man who understands that God was at good, at, at work for good in his life. You just take his life for just a moment. We're introduced to Joseph uh, from the standpoint of, of Jacob having a beloved wife, Rachel, and Jacob ends up having 12 sons. And, and, and Joseph is not the, the oldest, or he's not the firstborn. Reuben is the firstborn. But Reuben does something in which he compromises the bed. He defiles the bed of his father, and he loses that opportunity of being that firstborn. And Daddy, because Daddy Jacob loved Joseph more than all the other brothers, gives that right of firstborn over to Joseph. And so when we recognize Joseph there in Genesis chapter 37, at 17 years of age, his brothers hate him. His brothers hate him. Now, if we can say anything bad about Joseph, maybe it was that Joseph wasn't quite as wise as he should have been about sharing some of the things that he shared, but, but Joseph was a very righteous man. But his brothers hated him. But he had that authority over them, as would be the firstborn. And so he had that special coat. He had that special place. And, and his brothers were out in the field one day, and they were shepherding the flock out in the field one day. And, and Daddy Jacob says, go and check on the boys and see what's going on with them. See how they're doing it. And I'm just telling you, the brothers hated him. They just hated him. And when they see him coming out of distance, they said, here comes that dream. Now, he had some dreams, and he told some of his dreams, and it just made him hate him all the more. But here comes that dream. Let's see what will happen to his dreams. Let's kill him. And boy, as Joseph is coming out of distance, I mean, the brothers are fired up. They're ready to kill him. And Reuben, remember Reuben, he lost his right of being firstborn. He said, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't kill him. Let's just you know, throw him into this pit. And, and Reuben intended to come back and rescue him and, and maybe get a little more favor back with his daddy or something. I'm not real sure. But, but the guys thought, you know, that's, that's a pretty good idea. And they, so they throw him down in a pit. And literally, when you read the scripture, it says that they sat down on the edge and they had lunch. Now, how pathetic is that? I mean, how cold and heartless is that? That later you even hear that they heard Joseph crying in anguish from the pit, and they just continued eating their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And they see these Ishmaelite traders coming by, and Judah says, Hey, guys, you know what? Let's make a profit off of our brother. And they bring him up out of that pit, and they sell him into slavery. And he goes down into Egypt as a slave. And y'all know this story. I mean, y'all are good church people. You know this story. But he goes into slavery, and he spends close to 10 years in slavery. But God was with Joseph. 
And Joseph was prospering and finding success in everything that he did, even as a slave. In the midst of that slavery, God was blessing Joseph. But there happened to be a woman of his master, Potiphar, his wife, for she had eyes for him. And, and it, it appears that the Scripture tells us that, that it went on for some number of times that, that this woman was trying to seduce Joseph. And Joseph said, how could I do such evil against God? And time and time again, he refused. He refused to be seduced by this woman, though day and after day after day, he faced this struggle. And so, ultimately, it comes to a point that, that she finds just the opportunity when there was no other servants around, that she grabs a hold of Joseph and looks him in the eyes and says, Get in bed with me. And that old boy, he fled from sexual immorality. When you read 1 Corinthians 6, flee all sexual immorality, Joseph was the example. I mean, he got out of there. She had a hold of him. He's like, I don't care. I'm out of this garment. I'm out of here. And she made up a story about him. She made a story that he had come and, and he was just despising and laughing this Hebrew was at these Egyptians. And he finds himself with the master Potiphar who could have killed him at that moment putting him into the king's prison. And old Potiphar was angry. I'm not sure he was angry so much as Joseph was as well. I don't know. He probably knew what his wife was up to. I don't know why I'm reading in that a little bit. But Potiphar was angry. Joseph spends somewhere about a year at this point in prison. And the baker and the chief there come into that prison because Pharaoh's got that question in his mind. And Joseph's free. Now listen, Joseph has not done anything wrong for his brothers to put him in prison. Hasn't done anything wrong to be in the place of being in prison the way he was in prison. And after Joseph's interpretation, he says, listen, remember me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll remember you. That old boy forgot about it. And for two more years he's in prison, but what we read is that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and everything that Joseph did, even in prison, he was being successful, and he comes to this point in which Pharaoh calls him out from three years of being in prison for something he did not do. And Pharaoh calls him out. And as he gives this interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh says, Look, there is no one else in all of Egypt who is like this man. And he says, you're the one. You're the one that will lead us. And for the next seven years, Joseph did what God wanted him to do and supplied all of what would be needed for the seven years of famine. When we get into the second year of famine, guess what? Joseph's brothers are getting hungry. And Daddy's saying, guys, if we're going to eat, y'all got to go down there to eat. You see, it was not just Egypt that had the famine, but all of the area was having famine. And, and Jacob says to the brothers, y'all got to go down there and get some food. And, and so they make their way down there, but not Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was Joseph's baby brother. But the ten brothers, you know, the ten brothers who had it out against him, not Benjamin, but those ten who had it out against him, sold him into slavery. They come and they bow down before Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph. 
Joseph didn't speak their language to them. He actually used them in purpose. But Joseph recognized them. He was even moved with compassion on them. But Joseph tested them. And they went through some testing. And even in that testing, well, by the way, the brothers did say to Joseph, by the way, we're honest men. Joseph said, no, 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 we're honest men. And let them sit in prison for a few days, just kind of think things over a little bit. And here's what they said. God's getting us back. God's getting us back for what we didn't expect. Telling God that He was there. Making up this story. Doing that evil against Him. And so Joseph goes through a process with them. Holding Simeon back, but sending them home with their grain, using it for money. And they're a little bit struggling. What, what is God doing to us in this? Oh, Joseph. When the grain runs out, Daddy's going to send the brothers back, but Benjamin has to come this time. And Daddy's upset, and Daddy is grieved because he does not want anything to happen to Benjamin, the second son of Rachel, who he loves so dearly. But he had to. If they were going to eat, if they were going to get grain, they were going to have to. Send it back, and Judah said, Look, it's on me. I'll bear the Lord, when they go back to Egypt again, it was a little bit of a testing that happened to see what would be their response. Would they be jealous of Benjamin? Because Benjamin got a little more of their offering than the rest of them did. Were they going to be jealous over their brother and do the same kind of thing they had done to Joseph? And Joseph finally comes to that point in which his compassion for his brothers was so moved that he broke down in tears and said, I am Joseph. He sends a delegation to carry them with everything that was needed and brought Daddy back to Egypt. And Joseph took back to Where all of that came Daddy died, though. The brothers were like, uh oh. Daddy was dead. <coughs> Make up a story. Joseph, now we've grieved our dad's wall. Dad said to tell you, take it easy on us. You know, be, be kind to us. And in Genesis 50, verse 20, this is Joseph's What you intended for evil, God has intended it for the good. For the saving of many lives. What an incredible history. This man, Joseph. We need more Joseph. And I want to take you back to that Genesis 41, verse 38, where Pharaoh said to his servant, Look around in all of Egypt and look and see. Is there anyone like this man? Can we find anyone like this man? And this is what Pharaoh would have said. In whom is the Spirit of God? You see, Pharaoh was lost. Pharaoh wasn't a believer. If he was believing in anyone as a God, it was himself. 
But he sees this man, Joseph, who went through all of the things that Joseph went up to leading up to that point in which he stands before Pharaoh, in which Joseph said, how could I do any evil against God? Because God has been doing so much good for me, even in the midst of the loss, even in the midst of the separation from my dad, even in the midst of the slavery, even in the midst of the prison. God is for me, and God is at work for the good. And this man, Pharaoh, who is a lost man, who looks on Joseph and sees on Joseph that there is something incredibly divine about this man. And lost people need to see the church full of more than average Joes. They need to see. They need to hear. They need to recognize that, in fact, what we have in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our heartache, is we recognize we are on a journey for the good. And that even in the midst of the struggle, God is doing something good in all of that that He faced that He never wants. In these 14 chapters, we never see Joseph say, Oh God, why are you doing this to me? Oh, why me? Why am I the victim in this situation? We don't see him complaining in all that Joseph went through. Joseph said, bitter at his brother. He's forgiven his brother. Even at the very moment in which he reveals himself to his brothers and his brothers are like, we're going to die. Joseph said, what you intended to do, God has intended it for good. And you and I as followers of Jesus Christ should be saved and living that exact here is Paul in Romans 8, 28 and 29. He says, but in all things, in all things, God is at work for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. For those who foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed into the image of His Son. And how many of us, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials, can look to God and say, oh God, you're doing a good work. You are conforming and you are shaping me to be more and more like Christ. It is in those trials, it is in those struggles, it is in those hard times that we see that God is moving for our good. But how? How can we see that it's for good? It comes to the second part of being a joke. Optimistic. Are you optimistic about God? We have some pessimistic Sorry, y'all. I had a deacon said to me one time, you need to stop hanging out with those pessimistic deacons anymore. He was rubbing on me. And I was rubbing on me. There was some truth in what he said. You know, we need more than an average Joe that is optimistic. And I find too often that Christians have a small view of God. We believe at times that God has somehow fallen off of His throne. It's like some people this past year have thought that God fell off of His throne, or at least they acted that way. They might not have said God fell off His throne, but they kind of acted like God fell off His throne. In church, not once in all 14 chapters about Joseph's life do we see him saying, God, where are you? 
God was present with him in the midst of that slavery. God was present with him in the midst of that bondage in prison. God was with Joseph, and Joseph was optimistic about the God that he served, even when his circumstances were tough. Now, I want to give you two quick examples of the optimism of Joseph. The optimism of Joseph as Joseph, his optimism about God, not about himself. As Joseph is brought before Pharaoh, now listen, you know, he's had 10 years of struggle. 13 years, actually, of struggle. We're introduced to Joseph at 17. Joseph enters into the service of Pharaoh at 30 years old. He meets his brothers when he's 39 years old, two years into the family. At 30 years old, standing before Pharaoh, after spending 10 years in slavery, three years in prison, life has not been so well for him. Pharaoh says, I understand that you are going to be able to tell me about my dreams. And Joseph answers this. In Genesis 41, verse 16, it is not me, but God will give Pharaoh the favor of his command. God will. God will. Do you have that mindset? Do you have that attitude that God will? Not only do we see that at that point, but you know, Joseph's on his deathbed in Genesis chapter 20. He's about to go to the grave, and, and Joseph has done many great things, and he says to his brothers, you know, his brothers are still struggling to walk the straight and narrow, by the way, but he says to his brothers, in Genesis 50, verse 24, I'm about to die, but God will visit you, and He will bring you up out of this land to the land that He swore to Abraham. Now, we know it took a little time to get there. But what was Joseph's attitude? He was optimistic about God. God will. God will. And do you believe that God will? God has won the victory over this world. And it is really time that we begin to walk in that victory. It really is time that we walk in the Spirit that a lost and a dying world looks at our lives and hears our words and turns and says to everyone around, look at this man. Look at this woman. Look at this boy. Look at this girl. There is no one in all of this world, in this world, who is like this man and bears the Spirit of God, like this woman. And there's the Spirit of God. Like this youth, there's the Spirit of God. Like this child that has the Spirit of God. That's what a lost and a dying world needs. They need to see someone not only who is giving a message of hope in Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is being lived in him and her. The world does not need to see you, but the world needs to see the Spirit of God in you. John 16.33 says, In this world you'll have tribulation." But take all that has overcome this world. And you and I need to be ones that understand that we're on a journey for good because God is for us. He can do We need to be optimistic about God. Don't be optimistic about yourself. Listen, I'm going to fail. God can do it. 
close by telling you a story. You may know this name, Vanderlei Delima. You know Vanderlei Delima? Can you put that picture up? Here's Vanderlei Delima. You might not recognize his name, but you may remember his story. Vanderlei Delima was a marathon runner from district. He grew up as a kid, loving to run, ran everywhere he could. He was a runner. Vanderlei Delima was in the 2004 Athens Four miles to go to the end of the race. Vanderlei was in the lead 25 seconds ahead of the guy last time. And out of nowhere, with about four miles to go, this mentally unstable, defrocked Irish priest runs out of the crowd and tackles Vanderlei into the crowd on the other side. Vanderlei Delima, the whole incident probably took anywhere from 10 to 20 seconds. It wasn't long before a marathon runner could be touched. And Vanderlei, with the help of others, gets up off the ground from this man who is actually And he starts running again. Vanderlei is passed by the one who got first place, passed by the one who got second Vanderlei won the bronze medal in 2004. When he entered into that Olympic stadium for that last however many number of meters, when he entered into that in third place, he entered in running that last bit. He was shocked. That's what he was doing. Go look it up on YouTube. You'll see him running into that stadium. And in the interview lap after, as he gets third place, 76 seconds behind first place, 42 seconds behind second place, in that interview he says this, this is such a special moment. This is such a special moment. This is such a special moment. Most athletes will never get to do what I have done. To win. He didn't complain about merely getting knocked out of the line. But he said this is such a special moment. Most athletes never get to win an Olympic I think it was a swimmer from Brazil who attempted to give him his gold medal. And Vanderlei said, no, it is mine to There are many things that tempt me and not to push my career. There are many things that tempt me to knock you out of the way. 
whether you're a pastor or a minister, I have one question for you. Will you seek to be more than an average Christian in your church? Will you believe that you're on a journey to heaven and will you be optimistic about the gospel? Bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe for some of you this morning, beginning to be an average, more than an average road begins with your salvation. Maybe for some of you this morning, this evening, you're not sure about your salvation. You're not sure whether you're a Christian or not. That's something that is kind of troubling you and and maybe as you think for just a moment about God and you think about His holiness and you think about His goodness, you think about His perfection, you think about His sinlessness, and you look to yourself and you see all the struggles in your life, all the sin issues in your life, all the dirtiness and the evil and the struggles in your life, you come to that dilemma. How is it that a God who is perfect and sinless, how can God have a relationship with me? And that's quite a dilemma to face. How can a holy God have a relationship with an unholy person like me? And the answer is Jesus. Jesus came and He shed His blood for the forgiveness of your sins. He died on that cruel cross. He was buried in that tomb, but on the third day, He rose from that grave, giving us victory over sin and death, and He offers to you new life. He offers to you a new life that is in Christ, that the old will pass, and and all things will become new. Will you turn to Him by faith this evening? Will you turn to Jesus by faith? If you want to be more than an average Joe in your church, listen, it begins with your salvation. But for many of you, you already know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe what God is calling you to is that you would be more than an average Joe in recognizing that you're on a journey for the good, as Joseph said, for the saving of many souls. Joseph was responsible for saving many souls, and what about you? Are you on that journey for good? Are you seeking to reach the lost? Are you serving God? Are you serving His church? Are you willing to be a voice of hope because your hope is in Jesus Christ? So God, I pray for those this evening who need to turn to You by faith, who need to receive You as Lord and Savior, who need, as they're recognizing that they are sinners as they're recognizing their need of the forgiveness of sins. God, I pray that they be willing to just cry out to you, Oh, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I choose today to surrender my life to you, to be available to you, to let you be the Lord of my life. I ask for the forgiveness of sins that you would be my Savior, that I ask that you would help me to be surrendered to you each and every day for you to be the Lord of my life.
God. I'll say 46. There may be for some. There may be for some they need to confess that need. The kind of naysayer they've been. been a grumbler, a complainer in the midst of all the stuff that's been going on. I've been one who has been living and acting as if God is somehow off throne. Maybe acting as if the world was God, I pray for those with you. We want to be more than an average Joseph. And they pray. Pray that as Joseph prayed, they would be surrendered to you. At all times and everything, believing they're on the journey for the good of being optimistic about you. God, I pray, as Joseph did, that we would be available to you. Stop our excuses for why we can't. God, if you're for Thank you guys for being here tonight for our annual meeting. This association means a lot to me, uh, to our church, and we always love the fellowship uh, and the ability to worship together and to minister together. As we dismiss, ask Brother Bob Crowder to make you. He'll come up and give a dismissal prayer. Lord, what a great privilege it is for us to meet under the banner of Christianity. But in our world today, they are pushing us and forcing us in what they don't understand that you are the lion of the tribe of Judah. Father, I pray that as pastors, we will stand up in the pulpit and we will declare unashamedly the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's what our world needs. Father, I thank you for this uh, association. I thank you, Lord, for... Uh, the work that's going on. I thank you for the great reports we had tonight, Father. Thank you for that. Thank you that dollars can mean so much to ministries. Father, help us to always have an open wallet and be ready to help. Father, I thank you for Brother Brantley who brought the message and others. Not a, a, average Joe, what a great message it was. Father, let us not just, just be on this journey. Father, let us be optimistic. Lord, I pray that you'll have your blessing upon this association this year. That as 2021 is opening up and declaring itself to us, Lord, let us be always having our antennas up and seeing what you would have us to do in this next year. Father, we praise these things in your Son's name, in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, we ask.